friends, welcome to another episode of Get Right for Sunday. We'll be looking at the gospel lesson for September 20th, the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Leeper. And this is the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. And uh, I have to confess, I really do love parables because you can really take them in a lot of ways. And then the question ends up, ends up being, what is Scripture really saying? And, and that really saying is not that we have to find the hidden message, and mm-hmm. but is it a surface um, statement? Is it in-depth and we need to really look at this to make sure we're applying it correctly to our life, to the church? Or is Jesus coming out just saying, this is it, let's move, here's my salvation, here's my work? For this text, I think this is really deep, and we have a couple places we can go. The biggest thing that I see, it's all about God's grace, Hmm. period. We have God being the owner, master of the vineyard, and he goes out and finds workers. And it's the first workers that he hires, and he hires with a contract. They want a specific amount of money Mm -hmm. for their work, and they go and do it. I would like to think they go and do it joyfully, but who knows. But then the master, i.e. God goes out and gets more workers and more workers and more workers. The question, first question is, is there enough work to actually go around that he needs more workers? And the text never says an amount of money that he pays the other. They don't agree on an amount. Yeah. Go and do or go and work and I'll pay you what's right. Well, and interestingly, these don't appear to be like, employees he's he's hiring well day laborers and to me what that points to is these are not people like he doesn't have an urgent need if he had an urgent need he would have gone and taken care of this long before he would have had employees workers under managers who would have taken care of this um but instead he goes out and he hires these day workers and what's more he seems to hire more than it seems he needs. Like, as, as the day goes on, he it seems he picked up more than enough at the beginning. But he keeps going out and finding more and more people that he invites to come and work for him. And by the end, by the people being in, invited at the 11th hour, remember, it's the 12th hour where the workday mm-hmm. ends, there's hardly any work that they could possibly even get done. By the time they've gone through initiation and training and been shown where all the tools are, what can they really do? I I think that's interesting on a couple of levels. Uh, How manicured, well-kept was this vineyard before the first workers showed up? And then on top of that, like you said, the continuation of more workers for what? The the invitation. I I really Mm -hmm. like that language. They're being invited to participate in the work that is already being done. And they are offered the gift of coming into this. And again, changing the, the go and I hired you to do a job to gift. I invite you to participate in this. And I, I'm kind of wondering, it doesn't seem like the, the first workers were necessarily invited. It was an offer and they accepted but we have that contract thing kind of going. Mm-hmm. 
and everybody else just shows up at invitation or the the not necessarily command but you go and work because it's offered they go so you're kind of raising a little bit of a distinction here between these these first workers who have an agreed upon wage for their labor right and these other workers that the master goes out and goes out and hires for the during the rest of the day and these first workers they're hired right at the start right that's when you hire workers that's when you take care if you're going to hire day laborers that's when you do it you're to get your the most bang for your buck mhm uh and not only that they're really that's when the good workers are out yeah uh that's when there's people that need a job we don't know who these other you know people that are being recruited later are now, with all of this, with all of this discussion, remember, there's not an actual vineyard somewhere that you can go and visit. This isn't a real place. It's a story that Jesus is telling, an illustration to make a point about how the kingdom of heaven works, what the kingdom of heaven is like. So what do you think this parable, to, to return to what you were saying about those first workers, what do you think this parable tells us about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God? Well, again, at the very beginning, this is all about God's grace. Mm-hmm. And we hear throughout Scripture, from Old Testament to New Testament, who does God go to first, technically? Well, Israel. It would be Israel. And so we hear that even Jesus himself, uh, a couple Sundays ago, with the woman, um, I've come to to rescue the lost in, sheep of Israel. Yeah. Of Israel. yeah. And with that, we see that Jesus comes to Israel. First uh, John, I come to my own, uh, Jesus being a Jew. So the first one, the first call, the first people, first workers are Israel. Then it's everybody else. Hmm. So the, those who are not technically of the house of Israel. And we see this is all about the gospel going out. The promise of God's work, God's love, Uh, God's benefits are given to the house of Israel, but it's not contained there. It's not only there. It then spreads. And I think it's interesting, and the parable makes a point about this. The master goes out Mm -hmm. and gets these people. Yeah. It's not that he put a sign up. It's not that he even hired someone. He went out. He took initiative. He's the one that sought these people out and invited them to work at the vineyard. What you're saying earlier about the first workers having that contract is also interesting when you look at Israel. Israel has a covenant with God. They have God has promised to be their God, and they have promised to be his people. They have a covenant etched in stone, a covenant uh, also continually reminded of through circumcision, uh, through this literal nation that they are uh so they they do have a dare i say contract with god um but the the people that jesus is reaching out to now these gentiles these canaanites these other people they don't have that that's interesting that you point that out well and even with the the contract that uh, israel has uh this is how could they ever fulfill what they entered into Mm -hmm. because they promised that they would be faithful to God in all things, that they would make sure that they follow God's law and commands, and then that they would only worship God. Mm -hmm. And 
we see them failing over and over and over and over. And this is the benefit of Christ. God makes a contract. You'll do this, I'll do this. And then says, don't worry about it. I'll do your part too (laughs) and give you the reward of the fulfilled contract. This is what we receive as believers in Christ. And this is what is still offered to Israel. Israel is still uh, in need of salvation and still in need of the work of Christ. And so the latter workers we get to see is really God sending out his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit proceeds both Father and Son to go and gather those who will work within the church. And that's not just professional work. That's the life of the believer in the church, baptismal life. And they continue to work regardless if they are lifelong Christians, uh, have a midlife conversion, or even a deathbed conversion. The grace of God is extended to all. And we need to be really careful with this, especially at the end of the text, when payment is going to be rendered, the reward of the labor. We see that the first guys come, hold their hand out, and they're given the agreed amount, and they see, I earned this. Mm -hmm. I did this. And then the guy that worked for maybe 45 minutes gets the same amount of money. And we see that they're upset. They don't want to share in this. Yeah. And I think that we, this is a great warning for us. God is gracious with his gifts. Well, actually, God is more than gracious. It's unlimited. It is, his mercies know no bounds. And as verse 15 says, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Again, the mercy of God. He didn't make agreements of how much he was going to pay the latter workers. Mm -hmm. So he could pay them anything. Yeah. And he gave the same same amount, same reward out of his grace, out of his goodness. Right. Well, and did that take anything away from those first workers? No, they still received that Daenerys that they, you know, had agreed upon. But this offends them. This Mm -hmm. makes them upset. And I think we can understand why. I mean, if this happened to us today, if this was just a normal business situation and this happened, you might be upset uh, if you who worked all day and the guy who worked 45 minutes got paid the same amount. But in that, there's also a hint that maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe this reward isn't about what have I done to receive it, but out of the generosity of the master. After the the verse that you just quoted, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? The master says, or do you begrudge my generosity? To return this to, to Israel and, and beyond, Jesus came to save Israel. The reward that he brought was salvation. But then he offered it to the Gentiles. Then he offered it to, to all of these other people beyond Israel. And that's a little offensive. If you've been God's people for thousands of years, and now God is offering his salvation to others as well. But God's mercy, his generosity, that's dependent on him. And maybe this salvation isn't about what have you done, but what have I done for you? So let, let's turn now and look at 
how we can think about this today. Um, we've got this this parable and understanding how it, throughout history, uh, the Israelites, the Gentiles, and even the Christian church of our time fitting into this. But how about us? How do we hear this? And I think sometimes uh, we find ourselves at different points in this story. Those of us who are, say, lifelong Lutherans might put ourselves in the, in the boat of Israel. We haven't been God's chosen people for thousands of years, but we were baptized in the Lutheran church. Uh, we were raised maybe right here at Holy Cross even. You can point to the pews where your parents sat, where your grandparents sat. Maybe your name is even one of the names in the windows. Yeah. You've been here for a long time and you have the promise of God and that's great. But do we sometimes begrudge the generosity, begrudge the free gift that's given to those who didn't, quote unquote, earn it? Yeah, the whole idea that um, those who come into the church later in life or haven't always been here at Holy Cross, well, they don't understand what we are. Uh, they don't understand my position. Mm -hmm. They don't know what I've done. And, and it, in all those statements, we see the focus has changed. Me, me, me. I'm special. Right. I did this. Well, the invitation to live in the church, to live in the grace, that's all done outside of us. Mm -hmm. And we are the recipients. And just as uh, the latter part of uh, verse 15, do you begrudge my generosity? We have God's gifts given and delivered in the church. No matter what time we show up, even on Sunday, if you show up late to the divine service, <laughs> do, you do you still receive his word? Absolutely. And this really becomes this idea that God offers his grace, his mercy, his salvation, his forgiveness, his love. Always. It is always, always offered there. We can say no. Yeah. And sometimes we do. It's our rebellious acts. It's our sinful nature, so on and so forth. And sometimes we even begrudge. No, Jesus is talking to me, not those other people. And we really do want to confine God to our certain box, our certain situation, so on and so forth. And it's hard to look outside mm -hmm. of ourselves, our immediate community, right. our immediate church, and so on and so forth. Well, and the nice part for us about receiving a, re a reward for what we have done is that means it's in our control that means if i show up on ch if i show up to church if i get my kids to go through you know catechism class if I, if i do all of these things then i receive the gifts of the church and that's nice because it's in our control and that's how most of our world works kind well, of a a quid pro quo or mm -hmm. a, tr a transaction and it's a little offensive that the church and the, the kingdom of heaven, honestly, doesn't work that way. But that same offensiveness is also the good news for us. That the reward that you receive from Christ is out of his generosity, not out of anything that you have earned. Oh, absolutely. And just the idea that, again, God says, your ways are not my ways. Mm -hmm. Your understanding is not my understanding. And thanks be to God. Because if it was dependent upon you or me to earn our salvation, we would be lost forever. And that is why this parable is so centered on the gospel. Because we can't stretch out our hands and demand, look what I have done, you pay me. Yeah. 
Because if God did pay us what we deserve, what we've earned, it's a front row seat in hell. But that's not what he gives. We come empty-handed to the altar, and he fills us with all his goodness, regardless if we're lifelong Lutherans, mm-hmm. midlife Lutherans, uh, or even deathbed conversion. Yeah, We are filled with his work, and we truly get to rejoice and live in that because we're recipients of grace, period. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to, to remember. It's hard to live out because we want to quantify. We want to right. measure. How much grace do I have? How much do you have? Mm-hmm. Ooh, look at my grace. And remember that <clears throat> it's grace that increases with need and with sin. As as the last verse in this parable says, so the last will be first and the first last. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? The greatest is the one who has the greatest need. That is the one that you should focus on and exalt. They are the ones who receive the wages first, the ones who work the least. And so if you are that lifelong Lutheran, look for who is the last. How can you, as Christ does, make them first? If you are are new to this, or you feel like you're not worthy, or you have guilt, hear the exalting of Christ by his giving you of grace. You will be first in the kingdom because you will receive his full and complete grace. No matter of your own worth or earnings, you receive the same salvation. That salvation and that grace is given here at Holy Cross on Saturday at 6 o'clock and Sunday at 8 o'clock, which is also live-streamed, and 9.45. We look forward to hearing from you. Please reach out. You can contact us through our email address, and we look forward to hearing from you. God's peace and blessings.